Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, sitting alongside my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studio at Lambeau Field. And Wes, about as big a regular season game in Week 11 as you might find here in the NFL. The NFC North leading Green Bay Packers traveling to face the AFC South co-leading Indianapolis Colts, although I guess they would technically be in first place because they have the head-to-head over Tennessee Correct. at the moment, yes. right? So uh, we can call them a division leader as well. 7-2 and two versus 6-3 and three are the records, and um, hey, let's get right into it. What is it going to take for the Packers to come out victorious here? What are the keys to victory? I didn't even realize this, Mike. Tennessee would be out at the playoffs right now if the playoffs started. No kidding. With a 6-3 record, yeah. So... Keep that in mind for the Indianapolis Colts. There's a lot for them to play for right now in a very top-heavy AFC conference right now. Uh, As you mentioned, uh, in terms of not only is it a huge matchup, obviously it got flexed to 325 Central Time, but it's the the stakes. And I know a lot of guys in their conference calls and even the coaches, they kind of played this down as far as being a measuring stick game. But I thought there was one comment that Frank Reich made uh, in his conference call with Green Bay reporters that really spoke to the, you know, the gravity of this thing and, and how much is on the line. And he said, this is the biggest test to date for our defense. So much of the focus all week long has been on the Packers' offense going up against the top-ranked defense. Right. But you also got to look at it from the Colts' perspective. They're seeing Aaron Rodgers, who they're guaranteed a matchup with once every four years, at a critical juncture in their season. Because this is a Colts team that, while they are 6-3, and three, hasn't been on like a big five-game winning streak at any point. They've lost, they've won a couple, they've lost. So this is their opportunity coming off a big moral victory in uh, Nashville to, to put down the Titans a little bit to, to potentially try to leapfrog and, and push themselves into the final quarter of the season. Well, it was interesting because a lot of questions suddenly were raised about the Colts when they got beat by the Baltimore Ravens a couple of weeks ago. Now, there's no shame in losing to the nope. Ravens. But the Colts were kind of sloppy in doing it. You know, Rivers had an interception, I think, that got run back, and Jonathan Taylor had a fumble that got run back. It was it, for for a big game. It was not a good performance for the Indianapolis Colts. So there were all kinds of questions. And then it's like, oh, they're on a short week, and they got to play Tennessee on the road on a Thursday night. What happens? Well, you know, both those teams kind of slug it out for the first half, and then in the second half, that Colts defense shut them out. They shut out the Titans in the second half to come away with a huge road victory in the AFC South. And now they've had their mini buy, a little bit of extra rest and whatnot. And now they're back home to face the Packers in a big AFC versus NFC showdown. And, you know, the, the marquee matchup, as I wrote about on our website, is the Packers offense against the Colts defense. And I think it is the biggest test of the season for both units to this point. From the Packers' perspective... I feel like I say this, so I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I feel like I say this anytime the Packers are going up against a really formidable, highly ranked defense in terms of the key to the game. Quite frankly, it's you just you have to play clean football. You have to avoid the penalties and avoid the negative plays, whether they be sacks or TFLs, the things that are going to put you behind the sticks, yeah. put you in the bad down and distance situations, which is when when and where good defenses thrive on getting after the quarterback, on creating turnovers, you have to stay out of those situations. Now, from the Packers' perspective, they were in third and three a whole bunch last week against Jacksonville and weren't very efficient in, in converting those. So 
you have to get yourself into those situations, first of all, which is a big challenge against the Colts, but then the Packers also have to get more efficient at moving the chains compared to what they did a week ago. Without a doubt. It's actually kind of interesting. We were talking with uh, Adam Stenovich, the Packers offensive line coach, on Wednesday evening, and he mentioned, too, he thinks one thing that can really help him in those situations moving forward is the fact that the offensive line finally is as healthy as it's going to be. Uh, the, the line I kept writing this week is this is the first time in the 2020 season where the projected started five on the dope sheet on Tuesday are actually all together on Sunday. Uh, as they get some of that cohesiveness, if you get Alan Lazard back in this lineup, that's where you open things up a little bit more because, you know, let's be honest, whether it is the, the Aaron Rodgers sneak that everyone has been talking about this <laughs> week or a power run or just some of these other things, you have to be able to find those yards because Early in this season, when the Packers got off to the start they did offensively, what was the one thing they were doing really consistently? Converting on third downs. It didn't matter if it was third and two or even third and ten in some instances. They were having guys step up and keep moving the sticks. That's where they got to get back to. It was the reason why they fell short, and you saw that eight-game streak of being able to score on the opening possession fall against the Jaguars. And to be honest, I think that's probably okay that it finally did that, that you can move past that stat now. You want to score every single drive, but... It's not always going to work out that way for you. But the bigger thing is, is avoiding the three and outs, making sure that you can control field position. Because when the Packers got off to the start they did this season, that's the thing that they were really excelling in. Yeah, and if it's always easier said than done, of course. But I think the thing that I'll be watching for in this game is in the first quarter, if the Packers can establish some kind of a rhythm offensively. because And that doesn't necessarily mean they have to score two touchdowns in right. the first quarter and score 14 points. But have some kind of a rhythm offensively. Because if you look back to the Tampa Bay game, which was the best defense the Packers have faced up until now, even though the Packers, and we had talked about this, they scored on their first two drives in that game, got a touchdown and a field goal, had 10 points. But there was a lot of off-schedule stuff. Yes. There was no rhythm to the offense. And... So without really establishing any kind of a rhythm, anything to hang your hat on early in that game, it just completely fell apart for Green Bay over, over the final three quarters. So you have to watch for this because if, if Aaron Rodgers is going to be forced to, to improv and go off schedule and everything all day long because there isn't any rhythm developing to the offense, that's going to be a bad – you can get away with that against right. a lesser defense. You're not going to get away with that for four quarters against a really good defense because that's what the Packers found out against the Buccaneers. Yeah, and, and, and it's funny too because as much as this will be made out of Aaron Rodgers versus the top-ranked defense, my key to victory, uh, and we'll talk about this even in more in-depth during final thoughts, is who wins on the ground? Uh, you have a Packers – rushing offense that while it does have Aaron Jones back now Jamal Williams has obviously been a staple this season they're going up against a unit that doesn't give up big gains you have to chip away at them you look at that game for Tennessee they did give up 157 rushing yards but there wasn't a carry of more than 20 yards there it was just Derrick Henry just come you know grinding play after play banging at them and unfortunately for the Titans they didn't get the offensive passing production that they needed to be able to complement that and finish drives Green Bay's perspective, though, then you're looking over across the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball to a Colts rushing game that still really doesn't have an identity. Marlon Mack goes down with the ACL at the beginning of last season. They're reigning 1,000-yard rusher. They drafted Jonathan Taylor, but Jonathan Taylor was the third most used running back in that game against Tennessee. You know, they have Hines stepping up. He's proving that he's more than a third down back. And then, obviously, um, what is it, Wilson is their other guy? He's on my fantasy team. Wilkins, I apologize. Yeah, Wilkins. Uh, 
is another option there too. But I think when they drafted Jonathan Taylor, everybody expected him to be the face of this thing. He has the body for it. He has the you know pass-catching abilities. But Green Bay's perspective, you can't allow them to get going with that running game. You have to make this about Phillip Rivers. You have to pressure him. So seeing which team prevails in that capacity, I think is going to go a long way of which team leaves Lucas Oil with a victory. Yeah, and talking about the Packers' defense here, you mentioned it with, with getting pressure on Phillip Rivers and whatnot. You look at the statistics this year. He hasn't been sacked a whole lot. They have a really good offensive line. He gets the ball out of his hands quickly. Phillip Rivers is going to take whatever shallow, short route is there yep. if you know once any pressure is coming at him, which is why I think one of the biggest keys, if not the biggest key for the Packers defensively, tackle. Yep. You can't let these guys – I mean, you can't let them take four- and five-yard passes and get 10- and 12-yard gains out of it because of missed tackles. The Packers have to be on point with their tackling in this game in Lucas Oil Stadium because you're not going to sack Phillip Rivers five or six times. No. It's just he, it's, it's not going to happen. And I do think the Packers' run defense, as I talked about on our last show, they took a step forward in the second half against yep. Jacksonville. They need to build on that and take that into Indianapolis. But they're going to see they're going to see the the swing passes to the flat, the screen passes, the shallow crosses, a lot of the same kind of stuff that that the Packers run offensively as well. The Packers defense needs to tackle well in this game, and if it's a five yard pass, it can't be more than a five or six yard gain, or it's going to end up just being a really really frustrating day trying to get these guys into uh, into tough third down situations. Yeah, and, and that's why you could you could see the Smith Bros, you could see Rashawn Gary all have really solid games, and maybe it's not reflected on a stat sheet because of how quickly Phillip Rivers gets the ball up. But right. you go back to that game against the Chargers last year, where did Green Bay get beaten? It was beaten on yards after catch. It was plays that they ended up creating, and they weren't able to find an answer for it. So that's why, for me, I really look at Kenny Clark, the pressure from inside. I retweeted uh, – Larry McCarron's wonderful uh, rock report yesterday looking at that final series uh, against the Jaguars and why they were so successful. It was Kenny Clark sniffing out the screen on first down. It was him taking on double teams. Push that pocket, not allow Phillip Rivers that extra time to throw, step into his throws. That's going to be critical. And also linebacker play in this game. I don't know who's going to be starting at inside linebacker for the Packers. It's just been so, sort of this moving target with injuries and, and COVID and whatnot. But they are going to throw a lot to their running backs. It's just the way that this offense is structured. T.Y. Hilton hasn't been the T.Y. Hilton that we all remember from a few years ago. Right. It's been a lot of making yards with your backs. They can't allow Hines and Taylor and these guys to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. One other thing I want to bring up as a, as a potential key to this game, because I looked up the stat, and I, I hadn't looked it up until last night, actually. But here's another one, Wes. This game could be won or lost in the red zone. Yeah. And I say that for this simple reason. Offensively, the Packers are fourth in the league in red zone offense, 73.5% touchdowns. The Indianapolis Colts are 25th in the league offensively in red zone offense, only 55.9% touchdowns. Now, without getting into all kinds of math, what I mean is this could come down to however many red zone possessions each, yeah. each team gets. If the Packers... If the Packers win in the red zone on one more possession, that could be the four points, seven versus three, the four points that could be the difference 
in a close game like this. Defensively, neither of these teams has been great in the red zone statistically. The Colts are 19th, the Packers are 23rd. But offensively, there is a big difference in the efficiency in the red zone. I think that could end up playing a big factor in this game, especially uh, if you if you get you know into these scoring situations in the fourth quarter. Well, and especially if Jack Doyle still isn't able to go with the concussion that he's been dealing with. He's been obviously one of the most reliable offensive skill position players for a number of years now. Uh, with the Colts. That, that's a big one for them, although Pascal has had some touchdowns. I think Hines actually has four this year, too. So, I mean, they've been able to find it, but they haven't had that big like standout that has sort of come to the, the foreground in those situations. That's one area where Green Bay really has thrived. Devontae Adams is just a magnet to the ball, especially in the red area or the gold area, I guess, as they call it here in Green <laughs> Bay. Uh, you know, if, if again, if Alan Lazard is in this game, that changes everything for the Packers, not only just from the standpoint of having a reliable possession receiver as your number two again, but just from the standpoint that he's a run blocker. He can, you know, he fits well with some of the bunch formations that Matt LaFleur likes to run. All those type of things help the Packers out. And again, as the Packers hope to improve defensively in that area, uh, offensively they've been pretty much on par all season with being able to finish drives along with a little bit of aggressiveness too when it gets down to those fourth down situations. All right, one other thing I want to get to with regard to this matchup before we talk about some other games around the NFL this week. But first, Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Packers fans gear up for game day. Open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packers Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at AssociatedBank.com backslash Packers. All right, the other thing we have to talk about with regard to this game, Wes, is special teams. Yeah. This is a Colts team. They are coming off of that thir- in that Thursday night victory over Tennessee we've been talking about. They blocked a punt for a touchdown. It was a huge moment in that game. Earlier this season, the Colts ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. We have a Packers special teams unit that is coming off of a rough game. Field position-wise, the Packers lost that battle, and then obviously they had the big breakdown on the long punt return for a touchdown. Special teams could play a big factor in this game. This is, this is one where the Packers, the Packers cannot allow themselves to get beat on special teams yeah. the way they were last week, or it's going to be really, really hard to come out on top. Well, and it's funny, too, because you go back and think about the draft process. I always joke around with you with Alvin Kamara, right, back and all that. Well, one of the guys that I sort of took a liking to uh, was Isaiah Rogers, the, the UMass receiver who's become their, their kickoff return specialist, okay. the guy that was responsible for that, that touchdown return. Yeah, I believe season. it was 101 yards. or It was it was the yeah. length of the field, for sure. Yeah, it, it was exceptional. Like short and again, kickoff. you go back to four years ago, the Packers have bad memories. Uh, some of these <laughs> no guys doubt. are still left in that game at Lambeau Field the last time I think there was a kickoff return for a touchdown. So it's a, it's a huge emphasis this week, you got to imagine, and certainly it's going to be in all facets of the game. The one thing that I think does play into their favor, this is actually in a dome. Uh, there's been so many wild, wacky things that have happened at Lambeau Field with the wind and, the, and all these different uh, areas. Uh, you go back to that game against the Vikings, that's still the, one of the more bizarre games I've ever covered especially when guys were kicking to that south end zone. Yeah. This particular game, I just think if, if J.K. Scott can get back into his rhythm, we've all seen the leg. Um, if he can get some confidence there, that would be huge for him. Mason Crosby continues to get a little healthier uh, after dealing with the calf injury and whatnot. If he can at some point retake over the kickoff uh, you know, duties, he's obviously been exceptional at that for 15 years now. So that, that's where it starts for me, where the ball is and the guys getting down and converging on it. And as the Packers get healthy in these other areas, Mike, whether it be offense or defense, 
that gives you more assets. That gives you less, fewer practice squad players that are coming up and having to play coverage roles. You need your Oren Burkses. Unfortunately, they lost John Lovett, who had been a really solid special teams player for yeah. them to this point. Yeah. Will Redmond's been dealing with injuries. So as they get healthier and you get some of those vets back on those units, I just think that that's going to be really critical here for the Packers down the stretch in the phase that is often forgotten. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's an interesting week 11 in the NFL. I want to get your thoughts on a few games. First, a couple of AFC games, because we don't always talk about the AFC, but there are a couple of interesting matchups here on Sunday. Tennessee is at Baltimore, Mm -hmm. and Kansas City is at Las Vegas. Now, obviously, as we've talked about, Tennessee and Baltimore, but they've played the Colts here in in recent weeks. Tennessee trying to uh, bounce back from that loss. And then with regard to the Chiefs, the Raiders are the only team to beat the Chiefs this year, but now the Raiders are going into the rematch with pretty much their entire starting defense on the COVID list because of high-risk, close contact, you know, and all, all, all of those issues. They're hoping that everybody gets cleared on Saturday and they can play. I'm not sure how you go out and take the field against Patrick Mahomes when you haven't practiced defensively all yeah. week. I think that becomes a huge <laughs> challenge. But anyway, yeah. your thoughts on those two uh, big games in the AFC here. Well, and, and let's just, you know, starting off with, with this Kansas City situation, I mean, it, it is one of these deals where, you know, earlier this season, you know, so much was made out of Tennessee and that they were going to be on a short week and they didn't have enough guys because of the COVID issue and their outbreak or whatnot, and they end up winning a game. So you never can really count a team out in these circumstances, but certainly Kansas City's the – that's the boss at the end of the video game. I mean, you're trying to to be able to you know topple one of the best and one of the most uh, you know versatile and deep teams in the National Football League, and doing it shorthanded is going to be really difficult. Uh, but but again, you, you, these way that these situations break down, the race in the AFC is so tight right now. We talk about the NFC and the Packers right now. If the season ended, they're the number one seed. No team has really just kind of grabbed it and just stuck with it. Everybody's yep. had their layups, and then in the AFC it's pretty well defined who the top four teams are and they all have, you know, six, seven, eight, nine wins to prove it. So uh, seeing how these teams respond to it's going to be interesting. And then also Baltimore, which has had to do some soul searching itself this season, uh, trying to replicate some of the offensive successes they've had in the past in different ways. And they're, they're coming off of a primetime loss to uh, the Patriots, a game that, that a lot of people really didn't think they they were going to or should have lost, but yeah. uh, but they did. And, and don't ask me why, but for whatever reason, it just always seems to work out this way. I'm sure Tennessee and Indianapolis, it's going to go right back down to Week 17 again, and that Probably. game will be flexed like it has like three of the last four years. It's just the way it keeps working out. Yeah. Well, in the NFC, a couple of really interesting primetime games, beginning with one tonight as we are taping this episode on Thursday morning. Arizona is at Seattle. Big matchup should be a really entertaining one. First time they met this year out uh, um, out in Arizona. The game went to overtime, really back and forth, exciting game. Probably another one of those uh, those types to expect, especially with Arizona coming off of the big Hail Mary victory over Buffalo. What do you think about this NFC West showdown? Yeah, and Cliff Kingsbury's offense and Kyler Murray against that Seattle defense that's been up and down this season. It is at CenturyLink, so the Seattle has that going for them, although it hasn't been quite as friendly it has been historically. Uh, I think it's a great matchup, and also... Uh, seeing how Russell Wilson responds here, he's encountered some adversity. He's had some turnovers this season, a guy that's typically been pretty uh, secure with the football. Uh, like every week at the NFC West is a dogfight. I mean, mm. it just is. I mean, it's just the way these things are working out. San Francisco's been beat up. You wonder if they were a little bit healthier, what that four-team race would have looked like. But 
you know, from the very beginning, Arizona, we always talk about DeAndre Hopkins, and certainly he made arguably the best catch, most beautiful catch we've seen in the NFL in years, uh, given the coverage. But they can win with so many different players, and their running game, too, is really underrated. For everyone always talking about the air raid offense with Kingsbury, their running game right now with you know, with Drake and, and what they've accomplished in that area, it's been impressive, and it's going to really stress Seattle here. I expect a high-scoring affair. Yeah, and the other big one as far as the NFC playoff picture is concerned will be Monday night, the Los Angeles Rams on the road at Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers, really interesting team because a couple weeks ago they get thumped in prime time by the New Orleans Saints, but then they come back last week despite a seven-hour flight delay in trying to get from Tampa to Charlotte to play the Panthers. Then they go out and put 46 points on the board, including I think it was a 97-yard touchdown yeah. run by Thomas Jones. They put 46 points on the board and, uh, and you know, have a thumping of their own against a, a division rival in Carolina. The Rams, coming off of a big NFC West win against Seattle, now going on the road to Tampa in prime time and taking what I think is, uh, is a really, really good defense that isn't, isn't being talked about enough because um, everybody always talks about Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald's got, they, they've got a defense around him yeah, now as yeah. well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see that defense against Tom Brady on Monday Night Football. Well, and as I just said too, Mike, I mean, when you talk about Kenny Clark and, and with Phillip Rivers and collapsing a pocket, what's the ultimate way to be able to, to get Tom Brady off his spot? It's a, the most powerful nose tackle in the National Football League. Yeah. Uh, so it's Tampa Bay, especially with how banged up they've been on the interior line, that's going to be a huge challenge for them. But also seeing exactly what this Buccaneers team is all about. Because as you said, and it's one of the reasons why I keep saying over and over and over again in Insider Inbox, you can't read too much into one game because one week Tampa Bay looks like a Super Bowl front runner. The next <laughs> week they take a massive step back. Yep. The week after that, everybody expects them to just play putrid after everything they encountered the day before the game. And they, they come out and they put on a show. So it's going to be a good battle. And then, you know, it, the Green Bay Packers' perspective with both of the – with this game and also with the one in Seattle, there really is no loser. I mean, as long as those teams continue to beat up on each other, right. it works to Green Bay's benefit. Yeah, from the Packers' perspective, these four NFC teams we're talking about, they're all in the NFC playoff picture. And the good news for Green Bay is only two of them can win this yeah. week, right? Two, you know, two wins and two losses – that you'll take that any week when uh, when you're in you know this mix and trying to sort things out as you get towards December. Yeah, and, and even to throw this game out there too, I know you didn't bring it up right away, but New Orleans is going to be taking on an Atlanta Falcons football team. I actually did have that one written down, but I glossed over it. Yes, with with the situation with Drew Brees and then and uh, and the Falcons looking looking like a different team than uh, than they looked early in the season with all the controversy around their head coach. Atlanta has settled things down, and now they're going to face a division rival that's going to be without its best player. And I, you could probably say this for any quarterback, any stud quarterback in the National Football League. So I, I don't want to be too over the top about this, but in all my years, I don't know if I've seen a team that goes as much with its quarterback as the Falcons go with Matt Ryan. Yeah. When he's on, that offense is on, that defense is on. Everything seems to fit, yep. and when he's not, then things crumble a little bit. Matt Ryan has gotten hot here. I mean, he's playing better football. The offense is operating better, and they're going to go up against the New Orleans Saints team, who we at this point don't know who's going to get the most snaps as the quarterback. I mean, they say it's going to be Jameis Winston, but are you going to give Taysom Hill the opportunity everybody seems that he's preordained for? Yeah. 
A lot of questions. Yeah, definitely. A lot of stuff to keep an eye on on Sunday, aside from obviously a big matchup in Indianapolis with the Packers. But with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and all of the coverage of the big game Sunday from Indy. It's all on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.